All right, this morning, in honor of moms, we're going to dig into some scripture, and we're going to just take a little snapshot of a couple of moms in scripture. Just a brief glimpse at them. There's so much more to be said about these two moms we're going to look at, but we're just going to take a little brief look um, and see what God has to say for us. One's from the Old Testament, one's from the New Testament, and we'll see what we can learn from them. It's not just for moms. These are lessons we're learning from moms this morning. So it's for all of us. Guys, this is for you too. Students, this is for you as well. It's for all of us, what God would say to us through these two moms. Moms are amazing people. I know because I have one. She's amazing. She's beautiful and loving and fun, and I'm very blessed to have her in my life. So this morning, let's see what we can learn about a couple of other moms. The first one... Her name is Jochebed. You might say, hmm, I don't know if I've ever heard of her. So we have a little um, clue for you here, this slide. Dayla, if you'll show us. An amazing uh, kid in Kids Quest made this for me a few months back. And I wanted to show it to you because it will give you a clue of whose mom Jochebed is. Can you guess? Moses' mom. That's right. Very good. Yes. And right there, you can see she did a good job right there in the Nile with the fish. And, you know, he looks really cute. He's got a little curl going on there. And, and we've got some people standing by. We're going to kind of unpack that story a little bit to see who they are. But, so we need a little backstory, just a little bit, uh, on this mom before we start. Um, when Jochebed enters the scene here in Exodus chapter 1, um, it's, a, it's a super tough time for her people, uh, the Israelite people. Her people had enjoyed favorable conditions under Pharaoh when Joseph was second in charge. But Joseph and his generation have died, and there's a new, a new Pharaoh in town. And so we're going to see... In verses 8 and 10 of the first chapter of Exodus, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. In verses 8 and 10, it says, A new king came to power in Egypt who didn't know Joseph. He spoke to his people in alarm. There are way too many of these Israelites for us to handle. We've got to do something. Let's devise a plan to contain them, lest if there's a war, they should join our enemies or just walk off and leave us. So first of all, I want to say to you, fear motivated Pharaoh to devise a dead-end scheme. The plan he devised involved affliction and oppression. In verses 12 and 14 in, in this first chapter, it says there was great fear among all of the Egyptians. So they made the lives of God's people bitter with severe slavery in the Amplified Bible, it says that all of their service was with harshness and severity. Can you imagine if all your service, all day, every day, was with harshness and severity? But it gets worse. When just that didn't work to oppress the people, because God's favor was on them, they were his people, they continued to grow and they spread out all across the land. The oppression and the cruelty then turned to something worse. 
Pharaoh ordering the death of all little boys born to Hebrew families. He pressured the midwives. He said, when you get a call, they call you up and say, hey, baby's coming. And you go, when the baby is born, if it's a boy, kill it. But again, God's favor was on his people. The midwives, they feared God. And so that didn't work. They told him, you know, when we get there, they've already had their babies. And, you know, talk about favor, ladies. Wouldn't that be favor if God gave you that favor that when you had your baby, it was quick, fast, like those women? But God's favor was on the people. And so that part of his uh, scheme, his plan didn't work. And so he said, in verse 22, he charged all of his people, here's what I want you to do. If you see a Hebrew baby boy born, I want you to take it and drown it in the Nile River. I want you to see what fear, that's what had motivated Pharaoh. Fear of being outnumbered, fear of defeat, fear of them deserting them. I want you to, I want you to catch what fear ushers in. Through the scheme of this enemy of God's people, oppression, severe slavery, increased burden, harshness, bitterness, and now even death. That's what fear ushered in. And in the midst of this, Jochebed gives birth to a baby boy. What caught my attention about this mother who gave birth to a baby boy in the midst of such horrific times in the history of her people was that she's listed in Hebrews chapter 11, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It lists the heroes of faith. And she's listed there, not by name, but as Moses' parents. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty three, by faith... Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. In Exodus chapter 2, it explains what she did. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. That's Amram and Jochebed. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. 
And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. I want you to see this morning that faith motivated Moses' mother to respond with action. No, she didn't have it all figured out. No, she did not have all the answers. And moms, let me speak to you for just a second. Don't we want to always have it figured out? Don't we want to always have the answers for our kids? But can you imagine how she must have felt? She couldn't change the law of Pharaoh. She couldn't keep a baby quiet indefinitely. Can you imagine trying to do that? 24-7, a baby? But fear did not motivate her. Faith motivated her. So let's stop for just a moment and define faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith means being sure of the things we hope for, knowing that something is real even when we do not see it. That's what motivated Jochebed. She couldn't see. She couldn't see a way out, but she saw her God the object of her faith. We need to remember the object of our faith. Jesus said in Mark 11, 22, have faith in God. Not in things, not in circumstances, not in people, not in yourself, but in God. And what's, who is the source of our faith? Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. He's the one that gives us the first incentive for our belief, and he is the one who finishes it, bringing it to maturity and perfection. It's him. So I don't imagine Jochebed had any idea how God was going to do it, but she didn't fear the law of Pharaoh but she had faith in God, an expectancy that he would do something worthy of himself, of his character. She must have been prompted by God to do this because honestly, as I read and reread this passage, the last thing I would do, (laughs) the last thing I think I would have done would be to put my baby in a basket that I had put tar and pitch on to hope that it wouldn't leak in a river that probably had snakes. Don't ask me about snakes this week. Or alligators. In the very river that Pharaoh had just charged all his people to do what? To drown all the baby boys. I don't think that's where my mind would have went. So I have to believe that God had prompted her to do this. Because from that scene in the bulrushes on the banks of the Nile, God orchestrated something magnificent for Moses' life. He became a part of the family that was the very enemy of his people. What? We can't make this stuff up, can we? We can't. And Moses' life is not only spared, this is the beautiful part, and it will speak to a mom's heart. He was united with his mom in safety. And then the icing on the cake, 
was that she got paid. She got paid to love and care for her baby. So I want to just say to you that faith in action, like we see in Jochebed's life, it ushers in unexpected opportunities. I want to say to you to this morning, to myself, don't fear of what might happen. Don't let it cause you to miss unexpected opportunities that God is actively working out that you can't see. Jochebed couldn't see what was going to happen. But she was motivated by faith to move, to act, and not be afraid. Because you remember what fear ushers in? Faith is going to usher in unexpected opportunities from God. But fear, what it ushers in? Oppression, bondage, burden, bitterness, harshness, even death. I don't want that. I don't want to fling wide the door to usher that into my life, or into my family's life. Put faith in action instead. And then keep your antenna up and be alert for those unexpected, what? Put him in the river? Opportunities. Because I, I promise you, God will give them to you. All right, let's look at the next mom. A quick snapshot. I had a hard time making it just a snapshot because there's so much. This mom in the New Testament we're going to look at is Mary, the mother of Jesus. We need a, just a little backstory here as well. I feel like I need to say to you that before we look at, at what happens to her, I want you to remember that for 400, get that in your head, 400 years, God had been silent. Not a word from the Lord for 400 years. Then, a messenger from the very throne room of God. I can't imagine the anticipation in all of heaven. And Gabriel gets to bring a message after 400 years of silence. He gets to break that silence. And he does so by announcing something that all of creation had been waiting and longing to hear. The Messiah, Jesus the long-awaited Messiah was coming, and he was coming soon. A young, poor, peasant girl, just a teenager, just a teenager, betrothed to a man named Joseph, was about to be given the task of bearing the Messiah. And her response is so amazing to me. Let's look at first what the angel said to her. If you have your Bibles, it's in Luke 1. In verses 28 to 30, the angel says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And it goes on to say that Mary was perplexed by this, this greeting. I'm favored? Who are you? What's going on? I can't imagine. And the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary. Mary for you have found favor with God. 
I just felt important for us to stop and take note that the angel told Mary to not be afraid. Say that with me. Mary, do not be afraid. And over and over again throughout God's story, he tells us, his people, don't be afraid. He knows our frame. He knows what we need to hear the most, and he knows when we need to hear it. And Mary, Mary needed to hear it right then. She was about to receive some news that would turn her world upside down. She'd been making wedding plans, dreaming about a home, a husband. But things were about to take a sharp turn. How would she choose to respond? When faced with the news that she, a virgin, unmarried, would soon be showing evidence that there was a baby growing inside her. And all the repercussions, I can't even imagine what would ensue. The rejection, the ridicule, the abandonment, the shame. In that moment, right here in this scene that we're looking at, what does she do with all of that? She doesn't object to the danger of spoiling her marriage. She doesn't object to the blemishing of her reputation. She leaves the issue with God and she submits entirely to his will. Faith motivates this mom, Mary, to respond in submission. It says in Luke 1.38, And Mary said, Behold, I am the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done according to me, according to your word. I am your slave, Lord. Let it be done. Elizabeth said of Mary in Luke 145, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary knows her God. She knows he is faithful. She knows that no word from him is without power or impossible of fulfillment. And she puts her trust in him in total submission, humble submission. Numbers 23, 19 says, what he says he will do, he does. What he promises, he makes come true. Mary knew that about her God. Numbers, or 2 Timothy 2, 13 says, if we are not faithful, he will still be faithful. Say that with me, church. He will still be faithful because he must be true to who he is. God is faithful. Sometimes it's easier to explain what faithfulness looks like by conjuring up the opposite. And I read this and it just came to my mind. Lucy Van Pelt. Does anybody know who Lucy Van Pelt is? Charlie Brown, does that ring a bell? Lucy with Charlie Brown. All right. Hmm. She is this crabby, bossy girl who kept snatching the football 
away from Charlie Brown just when he was ready to kick it. Ah, maybe you've had a Lucy Van Pelt in your life. I don't know if you had, but I have. And that's not a picture of faithfulness, is it? God has no resemblance to such people. Wipe that out of your mind. He never wavers in his commitment towards us. He never wavers in his love, in his mercy, in his justice, in his goodness, in his, in his holiness. Because he is utterly faithful, we can lean on him and trust him. We can submit, we can surrender to him. His faithfulness is what gives us confidence in his promises. So lastly, I just want to say, submission motivated by faith ushers in unimaginable possibilities. Could Mary have ever imagined that through her son would come the world's only hope? That her submission would be part of God's plan to bring salvation to every person. Talk about unimaginable possibilities. Things that we can't even begin to imagine are in the heart and the mind of God towards you and me. He's just waiting for us in prayer to put an amen on it and say what Mary said, let it be done, so be it. Submission, surrender. Mary was just a young, poor girl. But God chose Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience that he has ever demanded of anyone. You might feel that your ability, experience, education, or age, or lack of any of those would make you an unlikely candidate for God's service. That's not true. Don't limit God's choices. He can use you if you trust him. He can use a life that is surrendered to him. So, how do you respond to circumstances? Are you motivated by fear? Are you motivated by faith? And when you think about that, just picture what you're ushering in. If you're motivated by fear, or if you're motivated by faith, what you can usher into your life. Unimaginable possibilities, unexpected opportunities that God has in his heart and mind for you. Olivia and Adam are going to come up and lead us in just a time of commitment. As I was thinking through Mary's words, let it be, I am your slave, let it be done to me according to your word, Lord. I remembered a song that I sang almost every week growing up in church, in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, at the end of the service, we would sing a one of three tunes, and this was one of them. 
It's called I Surrender All. It's an old hymn that just speaks a beautiful promise of surrender. And I remember that we would, we would offer that opportunity at the close, after we'd opened God's word, after we'd, after we'd praised and worshipped him. And we had that opportunity to say that to the Lord. I surrender all. And so this morning we'd just like to, to wrap up our teaching with, with this song. Olivia's going to lead us. And would you stand and if those aren't your words today, but you want them to be, they can be. When we come to Jesus, we don't bring, we don't bring anything to earn his salvation, his love. We come in total submission and just say, so be it. All that I am, Lord, I surrender it to you. So if those are your words this morning, you want to just sing that to the Lord today. Sing this with us.